Welcome to the first ever episode of the BrightGen Media podcast series, where I interview leaders within the media industry about their challenges and success stories. I'm your host, Jana Hlistova, and I look after BrightGen's customers in the media industry. BrightGen is a leading Salesforce partner with experts across industry and Salesforce products. We have a particularly strong customer base in the media industry, having served in this space for over 10 years. Our customers include Condé Nast, The Guardian, Elsevier, and Immediate Media. You can find out more about us on our website, www.brightgen.com. In this episode, being recorded at the end of September of 2021, I interview Duncan Tickell, who is the Chief Revenue Officer of Berda International and Immediate Media. Duncan holds responsibility for non-circulation revenue generation with a particular focus on advertising. He has worked at Immediate Media for 11 years and has a 30-year career in media that included board roles at VNU and Dennis Publishing. Duncan is also active on the boards of a number of industry bodies, including the Advertising Board of Finance, IAB and Magnetic. He is an active supporter of NABS, the support organization for the advertising and media industry, and committee member for their annual Ride Adland fundraiser. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Duncan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you could join me today. Morning, morning. <laughs> And I've been looking forward to the conversation because we're going to be talking about the online publishing industry. Uh, we're going to be talking about immediate media, of course, uh, technology, and uh, we'll be looking into the future a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about your background and your journey to where you are today and why work in media and the online publishing industry. So great question to start with. Um, what I'd say first is that there was no ground plan. So, you know, like many people, I think in, certainly in, in the cohort of people who ended up in media uh, in my generation, uh, it was very much uh, an accident rather than by design. So I, I graduated from university in the middle of a really deep profession in 1990. Uh, there were really not many graduate jobs around. And um, one of the few that was, was um, media sales uh, openings in London. And so I thought I'll give that a punt, probably do it for a couple of years and, you know, go off into whatever my long-term career would be. And actually, um, you know, I started doing it and loved it. Uh, so I started out, you know, good old cutting your teeth and classified advertising before uh, moving across to Dennis, actually, where I spent a long period of my career, ended up on the, the board by the age of 30, which was quite something. Um, and it was at Dennis, actually, which I got involved in in digital very early. So I launched a video games portal called computerandvideogames.com. Um, and really, you know, I, I found myself right in the heart of digital. And so from that moment, you know, I've just focused on running, um, you know, magazine brand businesses that have both digital and legacy print assets in them. Um, and, uh, you know, that that evolved actually over time. I, Spent, spent a bit of stint at uh, VNU, as was now Incisive Media, running their, um, their their consumer technology portfolio before 
teaming up with my now CEO, Tom Bureau, um, to work in a small digital business that was owned by a private equity house, Exponent. Um, and we took on what was quite a challenge, actually, in terms of a turnaround, small digital business, low revenues, uh, still in the investment phase of that business. Uh, with a specific brief to, to turn it round, and and both Tom and I took on that challenge because we thought, you know, if we can do a great job here, build a reputation with a with a private equity house, who who knows where that might might lead, and and actually it led to a great outcome because Exponent went on and bought BBC magazines. We were able to put that business together with Magicalia, the small smaller business that Tom and I had gone in to run, uh, and create a really exciting platform for for future growth. And so, um, you know, since formation in 2011, we've pretty much uh, or more than doubled uh, the size of the media on every metric. We've grown every year by, by last year, but we had a pretty good year last year. Um, and, and it's been a fantastic journey transforming what was a very print centric business into a you know, modern multi-channel business. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I've got to where I am today. Mm, it's a great journey. Now, you're the Chief Revenue Officer at Immediate Media. Uh, what exactly are you responsible for? And can you talk us through what you do day to day? I'm responsible for, for a number of areas. Actually, I look after the advertising area. I look after our insight function. I look after our sort of B2B corporate communications. Uh, I'm heavily involved in uh, strategy and and biz dev actually so it's a, a broad range of things i mean day to day as you'd expect is very much a strategic role it's not an operational role so it's really around trying to take a step back and think about where the business needs to be in the future uh supporting i've got a really great talented team who are fantastic operators and it's around supporting them and making sure that they get the resources uh, they need to do, continue doing a great job um, and then more recently, actually, I've, I've also started advising um, our uh, other Birda international businesses. So we have a number of businesses across Europe in terms of their commercial strategy. Uh, and that's actually across a, an even broader range of commercial opportunities. So that would include things like subscriptions or e-commerce, uh, just, you know, leveraging my, my, my extensive general management experience I've gained at Immediate. Uh, and just sharing some of the learnings and hopefully helping them to accelerate their business growth too. And if you were to give us a brief overview of immediate media, I mean, you've shared a little bit of information already, but if you were to talk about your approach in the market, your business model, your audience numbers, and, and I'm interested to know what exactly makes you unique in the market, what, what would you say? I think it's, it's been an evolving story, but the one thing that has absolutely resonated, and actually is, is what we call our purpose, is the fact that we, we 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 publish and create brands that seek to create more happiness and fulfillment each day by helping people do the things that they love. So you know, if you look across our brands, things like food, things like gardening, things like entertainment, cycling—they're the things that people really love doing. And actually, since foundation, that has been really, really important to us and, and has been a real cornerstone of our strategy because um, we've always believed, and I think actually that the, the history has borne this out, that um, the things that people really care about um, are things create a much more resilient business. So whilst you've seen in sort of generalist media, certainly within the magazine sector, some real disruption, it's been a lot 
a lot less stark in in those special interest categories. So you know, there's some 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 um, really interesting data points over the last 24 months around how actually people who operate in our area of the market and immediate included um, are have really borne out um, or wrote, ridden out rather, I should say the the pandemic and and actually grown their businesses over the last couple of years rather than shrunk them. And, and we think that's a really important place to be. We're right doing the things that people love. Um, and that really gives you a USP and actually also gives you a North Star so that as you're seeking to expand your business, be that through M&A or be that through launches, you've got a real centre of gravity. I really like that you focused on on the purpose there, uh, Duncan, and, uh, you know, developing brands, building brands that people love. I think that resonates um, with, with almost everyone. Um, now, I'd like to zoom out uh, just for a bit because uh, I'm curious to know, what you consider some of the key trends uh, in the industry and also some of the challenges uh, in the online publishing industry? And then how is immediate media positioned in relation to that? Let's start with sort of, if you like, the, the, the magazine industry as a whole. As I mentioned, certainly for people operating in the special interest sector, um, you know, the key trends over the last couple of years have actually been quite favourable. So, you know, starting with readership and circulation you know immediate's had a great couple of years for circulation so at the start of the year when the majority of our titles published their circulation figures we released uh, 9% growth year on year uh, you know we sell 2.4 million magazines to consumers so that's 2.4 million average issue sales so that's 2.4 million people uh, buying our magazines. We reach something to the order of 28, 29 million of UK adults. And, and actually last year and during some of the peaks of when people were stuck at home and focusing on doing the things that they love, we were reaching over 80 million unique browsers a month. So actually, you know, for, from an audience perspective, we've had a really, really strong couple of years. Um, and whilst, as you would expect, that's easing off a little as people emerge from their homes we've managed to retain an awful lot of those 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 consumers those readers those users so it's positioned the business really well and so you know what we've seen within our business is 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 actually uh some real um i guess innovation and entrepreneurial flair to think about with those new connections and with those new consumers what can you do and so you know, on a whole host of levels, um, the, the the last two years has been a really good driver of innovation. So we're doing, we've got really successful podcasts across a number of our brands now. We've done more in video. We've done way more in consumer transactions and informing people about the, the things they can buy and then helping them facilitate the purchase of it. So e-commerce. And so, you know, we've never had a better year than the first six months than we've had had this year so you know we're feeling really positive about the world actually you know of course there are challenges but challenges throw up opportunity in the broadest possible sense we're really optimistic i think there there will be some short-term challenges if, if we talk about this exact moment in time uh clearly there is grappling with with what life after the third party cookie looks like and actually this at this exact moment in time we've clearly got a load of supply chain issues as a result of energy prices shortage of hgv drivers but look this is all short-term stuff 
and certainly in terms of the, the, the long-term trajectory, we're feeling pretty bullish about the future. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's great to hear how well your business has accelerated uh, during the pandemic. If you were to highlight the top three changes that have been pivotal in your business over the last, say, three to five years, uh, what would you say and how has technology really changed your business? The first and the really obvious thing to say uh, is around that, that, that shift in the center of gravity in the business. So f- five years ago, we would still very much be a print-led business with some good digital assets. And what we're seeing is that shift now and the rebalancing of the business into, um, into a much more balanced uh, split between, between print and digital. And unsurprisingly, a lot of the growth is coming from digital. And so if I take advertising alone, actually, uh, we are now significantly majority digital. And that actually really helps you in terms of your growth trajectory because you're growing every year um, as a business, uh, which, which really helps. So, so first is just that shift in terms of the way that we interact with our consumers. Um, I would say that within that, what that has thrown up, which would be the second big trend for me, is we've probably gone from leading customers to a customer-led business. Because if you think about digital and you think about what technology enables you to do, it enables you to understand your consumers way, way better. So, you know, think about the old print editor, the the Godhead figure who knew their market and decided what the readers would consume. You know, we've got we've now pivoted the other way around now. With with digital, you understand what your consumers want to read, the services that you can provide because they vote with their feet or they click with their mouses. For want of a better phrase, so you know you 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 really change that, and that throws up incredible insight and opportunity, of course, because once you can understand what your consumers want, you can start to tailor your products and services better to them. So you know, I think that that for me that that would be the 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 the, the, the second, which is really that opportunity to become a um, customer-led business, um, and then thirdly. Um, you know, you, you asked a question about technology. I think it, one of the biggest things we've done, which I think a lot of public uh, businesses have done, we've also completely replatformed our, our, our digital platforms, uh, which has really enabled us now to act uh, or, or move a lot faster. So I think that that third trend is pace and the pace of the business and the, the ability of the business to, to innovate and move quickly. Uh, and technology is a, has been a great enabler to that. And, you know, we're now on a platform that allows us to be incredibly agile in terms of launching new products and uh, new products and services. So th- those would be my three, I think. Moving to customer-led, the pace that we operate at, and finally that that shift and that rebalancing. You know, print is still, I should stress, incredibly important to the media. We're proud of that. We think it's a strength. But equally, digital is a great opportunity. Yeah, great, great answers, uh, Duncan. Now, I want to hone in on ad sales um, and the ad sales auto management system specifically. Um, BrightGen implemented Bright Media last year in your business. And I'm just curious in the process and the thinking that you underwent as a business to, to make that decision. Um, it's not a, a quick decision uh, to make. It's an important one. 
Um, so yeah, I'm just curious to understand more about that, the thinking and the process that you underwent to to say, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna implement the system, we're gonna implement Bright Media. Well, look, so, so the the first thing which 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 prompted the discussion was was really quite straightforward, which was, um, you know, our, our legacy systems were were actually built on a relational database that's typically used for mid-sized businesses so it was creaking and so there was a requirement we believe to to to, to find something that was going to be scalable robust future-proofed um which led us to you know a full rfp process um and i guess what led us to to bright media and bright gen and, and actually what was our golden rule throughout was having a completely end-to-end system and I think Bright, the Bright Media was the one was the one solution that enabled us to do that. Clearly, we had to do some development around it, as 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 you'll know from from the work we do together. But but it was really really important to be able to do to, to do end to end. So you know when you look at most CRM implementations, I mean certainly what we had before was a fantastic order booking process or order booking system that integrated brilliantly actually with a number of our um, you know, important technology partners, things like DFP or uh, I shouldn't call it that these, these days. I'm showing my age there. <laughs> a Google suite of, of products, um, but um, it was a really, really important um, thing to be able to do the whole lot. So what Bright Media enabled us to do was to do, uh, you know, pipeline or you know, contact management through to pipeline through to orders, through to integrating with all our third-party systems. And we thought really long and hard about this because we, as I said, we wanted that full end-to-end integration. You know, lots of people implement Salesforce just for the pipeline piece and then maybe go off to other systems to do other things. And and we thought if we were going to get the proper uptake and usage within the business and actually unlock the, the productivity gains, we had to have it completely end-to-end. And I, and I think you know experience thus far has been is, it's been a good decision. You know we get, we're, we're unlocking some value, and actually we're only at the start of our journey in terms of unlocking the value of the system. But it's it's been a smooth migration. Uh, we now are being able to do much more pipeline planning within one system. Uh, we're also being able to 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 you know radically improve our CRM capability as well. So you know it's been a it's been a good journey thus far. So that's fantastic to hear, Duncan. Now you, you touched upon data. Uh, I'd like to talk about Immediate Media's uh, data strategy, your first-party data, and the huge growth in programmatic guaranteed. So, at a high level, uh, how does your business think about data, and you know specifically, you know with regards to ad sales, and why the huge growth in programmatic guaranteed, and why is that important? So I think it's fair to say immediate, you know, we weren't pioneers, but we were very much one of the early people to understand the, the significance and value of first party data. And that, you know, comes back to actually that that where you go right back to our purpose around helping fit people do the things they love. Um, actually, if people are consuming content, um, around the things that they love, it throws up a tremendous amount of first party data around what they're reading, what their interests might be. And, you know, we can get really granular with this, right? In in areas like food, we can talk about people who 
that you go to vegan, you can get down into whether people cook with butter, whether they prefer to cook with different types types of ingredients, whether they're cake bakers, you know, the, 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 the list goes on. And, you know, we, we recognize very, very early, we actually partnered with a DMP called Permutive, who now work with most publishers, but we were, I think their second install in the UK. And I think they will tell you are probably our most, the most demanding in terms of really trying to push the capabilities right from day one um, to be able to allow advertisers to access in a privacy compliant way segments of our inventory that were highly targeted and profiled. And so it's been a really important part of our journey for a number of years now. And actually, you know, we see all the developments in in the technology space is creating further opportunity rather than less because we got our house in order very early and so it's an incredibly important part of our strategy particularly when you know if you look at what's happened in the digital ecosystem over the last 20 years you know publishers really have allowed third parties to disintermediate the value of their media by you know creating these massive data sets in ad tech platforms that that mean that that, that um, you know the tech companies take the value rather than the content creators who have really created the value in the first place because they wrote the, the the content. Now, once third party cookies are completely rolled out, it gives the power back to publishers, and we think that's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, and that people will 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 increasingly come come to us to work directly with us and to be able to deliver highly targeted contextual data rich campaigns. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful, I think. And it kind of leads on to the next question that there is a lot of focus on media companies needing to build personalized digital experiences, as I'm sure you know. Um, there's a lot of focus on building communities. Um, so, so what's your take on that? Um, how do publishing media companies need to do that or how do they need to do that better, you think? Look, I think the, the personal experiences thing is really, really important and it's important on a number of levels. So we've talked a lot about advertising, but, you know, when we look to the future, the real opportunity is doing more things, understanding our consumers, understanding customer journeys, understanding ways in which we can help them. Um, whether that be that facilitating a transaction or offering a premium subscription service for certain types of content or, or indeed, you know, the advertising offer. And so I think that that creating those personalized experiences, knowing who your consumers are and then being able to create the right environment for them with the right suite of products is absolutely vital. So, you know, I think um, it's a really important part of where the future value is going to be, be for publishers. Uh, and make no mistake, I mean, I think the, 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 the outlook for publishers is really strong. Uh, you only have to look recently at a couple of transactions in the M&A space to see quite how highly publishing businesses are being valued. So, you know, New Scientist went to DMGT for 10x. Uh, Dennis have just sold to Future for, again, 10 times EBITDA. So, you know, strong subscription businesses with digital components that have got strong relationships with their consumers are once again being valued much more towards digital multiples now than, 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 than legacy print ones. And that's really exciting. And we see that as really exciting. And, you know, we're in that very fortunate position. I mentioned, you know, those 2.4 2 million ABC 
uh, result for our magazine brands, well, actually of that, over a million of, of them are subscribers. So, we, you know, we think we're in a really strong place, but it's actually about developing customer rela- relationships that the opportunity will get unlocked. Hmm. And I guess the more personalised these experiences the more likely you are to build communities of people. Everyone's looking for their online uh, tribes. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, c- community is a very broadly used term. I think we certainly are looking to build communities through direct relationships with those people. And you can only build communities when you know who people are. And so we build communities around the interests and the passions that people have um, within the, 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 con- the areas of content specialisation that, 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 that we write around. Fantastic. Now, I'd like to shift gears a little bit, uh, Duncan, and I'd be really interested to hear about some of the key projects or initiatives that you might be leading in the business at the moment. Um, So what the focus is in the next 12 to 24 months, and you might have touched upon some of this already, but feel free to, to give any examples. It's all around doubling down on the things that we described earlier. Um, so, you know, the if I were to set a series of priorities, let's start with data. We talked about it earlier, but it's about making sure that we've got an incredibly robust strategy in place for when the um, third-party cookie is fully phased out. I mean, we're already at a point where significant amounts of inventory already, you can't drop a cookie on it anyway. So, you know, it's a major priority to make sure that we, we've, we've, we've created the opportunity to create, you know, Privacy compliant, highly contextual environments that that, that 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 people can come and partner with us and advertise with us, uh, with you know the, the full knowledge that they're doing so in a privacy compliant and safe way, um, and so lots of work going in to make sure to optimize. So we're testing and learning with a bunch of different partners to work out what the final strategy looks like, but we're a long way down that track already. Uh, so I think, you know, in advertising, that would probably be the number one priority. Um, but then, you know, across the, the business more broadly, it's around doubling down and accelerating on on some of those new initiatives that we've seen in the last um, couple of years. So audio has become actually a significant seven figure revenue stream for us in terms of creating podcasts uh, and monetizing those podcasts. So, you know, it's actually... Uh, we have an incredibly successful one in the history space called History Extra. And so it's about replicating success in other markets. So we've just watched them in food and radio times and gardening. And they're on a nice growth trajectory too. So, you know, building out audio, um, continuing to invest in video and new content formats. So I think new content formats are a really important, an important part. And then lastly, um, as I mentioned earlier, think about some of those new ways in which you can unlock direct consumer revenues, be that through commerce and transactions or be that through sort of paid for content models with uh, in digital subscriptions and unlocking the value of the content that, w- that we post online, some of which is, you know, really, really valuable. So I think, you know, I'd call out those three areas as, as, as key priorities. Uh, and maybe the fourth would be, um, uh, you know, it, it is clear that media is consolidating. And I think, you know, we, we're also thinking about how can we um, build out our portfolio through M&A, through launching, whatever that might be, around that North Star of, of, of 
of helping people do the things they love. Um, and it's clear, you know, I mean, it's an incredibly um, both profitable but cash generative business. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, the last pillar to growth for us is going to be consolidating around the markets that that, that are really important to us. Yeah, sounds phenomenal. Um, Duncan, what, what does success ultimately look like for your business in the next few years? First of all, it's about maintaining our growth trajectory. So I mentioned that we we doubled the size of the business, which was, you know, a sub substantial achievement uh, since it since its inception in in two thousand and eleven. And I think we want to carry on that growth trajectory. You know, over a three to four year period, we'd like to you know put half again on 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 the size of the business. We've we've not had a year, as I mentioned earlier where we haven't grown the business save for the pandemic and even then actually we we, we had a fact we had a, we, we did have a good year in the context of other people's years um we actually if if you exclude our events business which was understandably very challenged last year um, and continues to be so into this year but we see great, great green shoots for next year um we hit our budget last year which is pretty phenomenal so i think it's around maintaining that growth trajectory we'll see you know what, three, four, five years out, seeing the business grow half again. Um, and of course, it's, it's more than just around growing the business. Whilst that's really, really important, I think it's also around uh, trying to make a positive contribution. So within our business, we've got a goal to be carbon net neutral by 2030, um, in addition to, to, to building out that growth. And we really want to be leaders in the sustainability space. Um, you know, we, we think that's incredibly important. Uh, we're also investing and continue to talent's always been really important to us uh, and so actually we're continuing to invest in talent we're putting a great focus on dni at the moment have brought um you know uh, uh, some people in and we have a dni manager who's leading a program to 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 move the business forward so you know yes yeah, continue to grow the business but actually in a in a sustainable and um ethical way i guess is the would be the right way to phrase it that's music to my ears, Duncan. That sounds uh, sounds great. Um, you've shared so much with me today, and I, and I want to say thank you for your time. So before before we wrap up, I have one final question for you, and it's really to uh, talk about innovation. So how do media companies, and and how how do you expect to innovate over time? We know the media market is competitive. It's very disruptive. Technology is very disruptive. Um, you know, the creator community is out there using tools. They're building their own media brands and communities. How are you looking to innovate over time? So, look, I think that's a, that, that, that is a really interesting and great question. Uh, it's one that we actually put quite a bit of thought into over the last couple of years. So the... Um, the the first thing uh, I'd say is just, you know, we, we've learned a lot over the last couple of years around innovation because, you know, when things were really tough in the middle of the pandemic, one of the most interesting things that happened was that um, when your budgets had gone and that you weren't going to hit your targets and it was just like give people the freedom to innovate without worrying that they're not going to hit this year's bonus, so the level of innovation 
went through the roof because people were suddenly not looking behind. They weren't being cautious. They weren't thinking, oh, well, all that investment, that's going to cost a bit. I might miss my, my, I might miss my budget this year. They actually just went, right, we're in the middle of a, you know, we're in the middle of a maelstrom here. How the hell are we going to get our way out of this? Let's box clever. And they tried a load of stuff. And I think, you know, that's really what has typified the best digital growth businesses is people have both the mandate to try stuff, to fail, to just see that as a learning rather than a, than a problem. And actually out of that, you create an innovation culture. And so a big part of, you know, the reset of immediate at the moment is actually making sure that we create the right conditions for our people to build out an innovation culture, to not be afraid of when we get stuff wrong, to, to say that wasn't the best in the world, what, but what did we learn about it? You know, let's try stuff. If it's not working, let's kill it fast. And that's a cultural piece. And I think we, we, we recognize that, you know, on, on reflection, that's one of the things, the areas that we can get even better at. And I think we all, we're already getting better at it, but that's a real focus because, that's where those really fast growing digital businesses excel. They excel by creating those environments where people aren't afraid to, to fail. They're nimble, they're agile. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what's changing in, 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 in our businesses. We've already seen some of it, as I mentioned, over the last couple of years. And I think that will be the foundation that will take us to that next level of growth. Fantastic answer, Duncan. Um, I want to say thank you for your time. Um, again, you've shared so much information. Um, there's there's a lot of food for thought. Uh, so I want to say thank you. I'm going to wrap up. Well, it's been a pleasure. Great to spend some time with you, Yana. So thank you again to Duncan Tickell for his fascinating insights into the digital transformation of the media industry. And join us soon for our next episode of the Bright Chain Media Podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast and you can follow us on social media, on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And do visit us at www.brightgen.com. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>